This is the BA Coach Podcast, episode number 48. Welcome to the BA Coach Podcast, online at thebacoach.com. Helping business analysts take their craft to the next level. It doesn't matter if you are a brand new BA or you've been practicing for many years. There is always something we can all do. to take our ba skills and techniques up a notch and now here is your host author blogger musician and ba evangelist yakub bahamad also known as yamo hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the ba coach podcast As you just heard we are sitting on episode 48 of the podcast which means we are just two episodes away from reaching the big 50. Stay tuned for a special 50th episode. We are also planning to complete season 2 of the podcast by the end of this year that's 2015. And in this episode of uh, Community Cast I had the opportunity to interview Kevin Brennan XIIBA. Well, at least when we recorded this episode, he was uh, working for IIBA, and currently he works for a different company called Sea Level. So, in our community cast today we, with Kevin, we talk about everything you need to know about the Babock version three, which is the latest uh, edition of the business analysis body of knowledge, extending business analysis beyond the context of an IT project, and how version three does this. infusion of other disciplines such as agile kanban scrum lean and six sigma togaf etc overview of the net new additions in version 3 as compared to version 2 how knowledge areas and tasks have evolved obviously from you know v2 to v3 discussion around ba core concept model and perspectives And I think a couple times during the episode, I mistakenly refer the core concept model as a core competency model, which is a completely different thing. And I think partly that's because uh, it was late in the night, and I was also recovering from a cold I had. So just watch out for those references there. And around the time of recording of this episode, I had solicited questions for the community. We got close to a hundred questions. via email, social media and so forth. We've tried our level best to sort of create thematic answers to those questions. So with all of this and much more, here's Kevin. Hello Kevin. Hello Yamo, how are you? Wonderful. Welcome to the BA Coach podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Great, and thank you for inviting me to be here. And I know we have a lot to talk about tonight. We have a lot, and I should have actually said welcome again because you've done this before when we were talking about, you know, how did the BA Bach originate when we talked about version 2 and some preliminary version 3 conversations. So, we've come a long way from the last podcast we did and uh, the ba bog has come a long way so i am excited about this update the community is excited based on the tens and you know i would say close to 100 questions and comments and follow up questions that i've got uh, over the past two days so this is exciting stuff so let's get right into it my first question is really you know just to level set and and create a context for everybody can you share a brief background of the version 3 development uh, process including the review that uh, the public review that happened last year 
Sure, I'd be quite happy to. Just to do a recap, I imagine most of your listeners, if not all, are pretty familiar with the BA Bach, but just in case someone isn't, it is the business analysis body of knowledge, and it is one of IIBA's core products, one of the very things that we were actually founded as an association to do. And while our scope of interest and our activities have expanded beyond that, it still really is critical to who we are. And it's been used as the basis for a wide range of other products developed by IBA, such as our certification program, our competency model, and more. I actually began working as a volunteer on the Business Analysis Body of Knowledge back in 2004, in October. It was then led by Brenda Curtin. I became co-chair in 2006, and I've been responsible for overseeing its development ever since then. So what we're trying to do with the BA Bach is to provide a consensus-based description of business analysis as a profession. And that, by consensus-based, what that means is that we're going out there to a broad community of stakeholders from across all the BA disciplines, getting their feedback, getting their input, and trying to find a common ground as to what business analysis is. You know, at this point, version 2 is available in six languages. It's uh, available in French, Portuguese, Spanish, Japanese, and German, in addition to English. And so, you know, version 2 was a lot of work. It's something we're very proud of. But at the time we published it, we made a conscious decision to focus on business analysis in the context of a project. And for the most part, an IT project. And there were a lot of reasons for that, having to do with that being what the team working on it was familiar with and had experience doing, mm-hmm. where business analysis was at that point in time. And it was also where the majority of practitioners were. We had to control our scope somehow, right? Mm-hmm. So with version two, we really focused on defining that. And you can see if you look at the version two knowledge areas that they map pretty cleanly to a traditional project lifecycle, right? You've got yep. enterprise analysis, which is pre-project stuff. Yep. You've got requirements analysis, which is the kind of detailed requirements definition that occurs in the earlier phases of the project. And then solution assessment and validation matches up to, you know, testing, deployment, and implementation. Right. Yeah, and then we have the you know requirements management and communication and elicitation, which is you know the main component of eliciting requirements. Right, and those are kind of go across the entire life cycle. Yeah. Right. And so with version three back in 2011, we felt it was time to tackle the other kinds of business analysis work, the work that occurs outside a project context. Version two was in effect between. 2004 and 2009 and then between 2009 and 2011 something happened that sort of triggered the need for an update yeah well it was intentional that we kind of took a a rest period while we focused on some of our initiatives and those included eventually launching the work that turned into the agile extension Mm -hmm. as well as an enterprise business analysis project and while the publication and work done by that team hasn't been published at this point in time, they produced a lot of valuable insights and ideas about what business analysis looked like at the enterprise level, mm-hmm. right? So looking mm-hmm. at strategy development, at business transformation, at business architecture. And we got to a certain point with that, and we realized that it really needed 
a different basis to build on because we couldn't map those concepts cleanly back to a project-based model, okay. right? And mm-hmm. we had the same problem in Agile. Yeah, uh, Agile is more of a continuous improvement process. It's more cyclical. And so, you know, in the Agile extension, we tried to map it back to the existing structure, but a lot of the team just was never entirely comfortable with that, and mm-hmm. it wasn't that clean. Sure. So what happened after that? So, like, there was a team that was put together to work on version 3, and then the work started. And yeah. it obviously ended with, you know, public review and a subsequent updates to that. So, Yeah, so what we did to develop version 3 is that we put together a development process based on a number of things. We looked at our own experience, the challenges we'd run into developing previous versions of the BOC. Mm-hmm. But we also looked at the Canadian Standards Association and ANSI regulations for standards development because we wanted to make sure it was rigorous, that it was solid, and that you know at some stage in the future, if we needed to move to an ISO-based certification for the BOC, um, we would be able to go down that path because we would have been following their expectations. We also reached out to other associations and other groups such as IEEE, PMI. In fact, I was part of the PMBOK 5 development team and the object management group to get their feedback, their experience, and we talked to people who participated in their process to try and really come up with a solid development method for the BA BOC. Once we had that kind of figured out, mm-hmm. we pulled together a core team from around the world. And that group of people had experience in a wide range of BA disciplines. So we had people who not only did you know traditional BAIT work, and we had a number of those on the team, but we also got people who had a background in business process management, in enterprise transformation, in systems engineering, you know, in agile software development. And we brought that team together to figure out how do we take what we've got, which is very strong and very solid and works very well in the project context, and what changes really need to be made to it in order to give us a broader perspective on business analysis. And so we you know, spent a lot of time tearing apart the task structure and mapping it against not just traditional IT projects, but also against Scrum, Kanban, the Deming cycle, you know, Lean and Six Sigma against business architecture methodologies, including TOGAF, against even project and product portfolio management to try and find the common elements that are part of business analysis in all of those disciplines. And that became the basis for the new structure of version three. Mm-hmm. Then we went through a series of revisions. So, you know, we went through an initial draft that went out to a practitioner and expert review. And we got a lot of feedback on that, you know, some of which was definitely fairly critical, but very useful to us. And we expected that at that stage because it really was the very first rough draft. And we were looking for that group of people to kind of tear it apart and tell us what was right, what wasn't right, what needed to change. And so all of that feedback went into a complete revision of it where we made it much clearer easier to understand and that was the version we rolled out to public review last year and in that review we got thousands of comments we incorporated over 2800 different comments from the public into what's going to be the final version and then 
all of those comments fed into yet another redraft, another rewrite for clarity, for conciseness, to integrate the feedback we received, to correct any issues that were uncovered by the public. And that's kind of where we stand today. Absolutely. And, you know, we'll talk about that in a bit. I just wanted to quickly ask you about the comments that you received from the initial reviewers. You had It was more like, you know, it was the the internal review team, if you will, that sort of, you know, tore it apart uh, the, the first draft of the version 3. So when you compare and contrast that with the public comments, what sort of differs? What stands out in your viewpoint? Well, for the first draft, you know, a big piece of feedback we got was that that initial draft, and, you know, I think you may have been one of those reviewers. Yeah. Yeah, that was too academic. It was, you know, too written at a level that was too far above the typical practitioners. So we made an effort to really bring it down to a more concrete level, right, with that Mm -hmm. To bring it down to, you know, talking about what business analysts actually do and using language that is more understandable to the typical practitioner. Not dumbing it down by any stretch of the imagination, but clarifying and using, you know, more standard English terminology and simpler and simplifying language and cutting out a lot of the longer explanatory texts that don't necessarily add as much. Then we did that. I would say, again, after the public review to some extent. So mm-hmm. once again, we've been able to take advantage of a lot of public feedback, look at, okay, where are people telling us that they're having a hard time understanding or following it? And while it's certainly never going to be a text for you know high school students or people who aren't experienced practitioners, mm-hmm. the latest review, it, the latest version is something that we've even had non-BAs read and tell us that they can follow and understand, which is a good step in the right direction. So we've really tried to make it much more clear for a reader. Absolutely. I'm just a little bit curious so as to what was the lens and, and approach that uh, the team took when it came down to translating that academic tone of to the material to something that's more, you know, practice-oriented that's relatable. So, you know, if, if that was sort of the key feedback. Well, you know, I, I admit it's, and having been involved in myself, it's hard to describe exactly how you do it, but it's really a matter of, and let me try to express this. I find that sometimes it's, when you formulate a new way of looking at something, it tends to be very abstract. Mm-hmm. And then what you have to do is try to bring it down to a more concrete level and think about, okay, how would I actually apply this concept in real life, right? Yeah. And if I can figure out how I would apply it, I can then perhaps describe it to someone in a way that tells them how they could apply it too. And it, so it was really about looking for that, how would this be applicable to a working business analyst? Is there an example that uh, stands out in your mind? Well, I don't know if it's the best example necessarily, but I'll use it because it happens to be a, you know, a piece that I myself wor- happen to be working on, which is around the strategy analysis knowledge area. Mm-hmm. And so when I went, I did the uh, post-public review revision of that because we moved things around between writers and I was able to contribute on that one. Mm-hmm. And what I tried to do was to think in terms of, well, at a high level, what does this compare to? So if I'm on an IT project and we have our structure, which goes from, you know, assess the current state, find a future state, 
and put the strategy between them. Well, what does that mean to an IT practitioner? And the corresponding thing for an IT practitioner is release strategy. Yeah. Right? So you try to put in examples of, okay, well, what would I compare between the current and future state? Can I align the text in those sections to make the comparison more obvious? Which is one of the things that we did was kind of went through the list of things that we were talking about and said, okay, do, are they the same in each one? If they are, that makes it easier to follow because you're seeing the direct comparison between the two. So it really was much more of an editing process, right, and a clarification yeah. process and engaging our technical writing team and a copy editing team to bring that understandability out into the final text. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I always see like there's a layer of practitioner sanity, if you will, before the material would have gone to a copy editor or a technical editor. Yeah, and so after we did that, that's the thing. We had practitioners who did the revision of the text. Then that was handed over to a our technical writing team who did a substantive edit to clarify and streamline, smooth out the text and ask questions where they found things to be unclear. And then that went to a copy editor. And right now it's completing the copy editing process. Okay, great. So, you know, like based on one of the presentations that I saw online, Kevin, it I think there were 3,251 internal review comments. And, you know, based on what you just said, there are there were 2,800 public review comments. So, you know, close to about 5,000 and odd comments. You know, my question is, like, if you have to compare and contrast the themes that you got from public review versus the internal review, what was sort of different? Well, and just to clarify there, when I say 2,800 comments, that's, 2,800 comments that we actually incorporated into the text. There were also comments that we deferred for future reference so that they would be looked at for version 4 because they were good and valid but just too big to handle. And some that either were, you know, very grammatical in nature and didn't really relate to what we published, especially after editing, or, you know, that the core team reviewed and decided didn't fit with the direction of the revision. So... There were actually around 4,500 comments in total, but almost 3,000 of them were actually incorporated into the final text. Oh, okay. Great. And that makes more sense because, you know, it's a public review. So I was yeah. hoping to see more comments. That perfectly makes sense now. So just last question on that. Uh, what percentage of the, the version do you think has changed, uh, you know, from what was put out to the public and, and what's being copy edited right now? That's a question that maybe I'll be able to answer better when when we're done and we have a bit of breathing space to do a comparison. I can say that every section of the book has been revised to at least some extent from public review. There, I don't think there was anything that made it through 100% untouched. Uh-huh. We got the heaviest level of commenting in you know chapters one and two, so the introductory and core concepts chapter, we got a big bunch in strategy analysis, of course, very attractive BAs, and we got quite a lot in the technique section, uh, but that varied by technique. Some techniques got heavy commenting and feedback, others got fairly light. Okay. Good examples of the kind of feedback we got, there were quite a few comments on the treatment of risk that got addressed. Based on community feedback, we incorporated a bunch of new techniques. So one of the big pieces of feedback we received is that 
you know, while the strategy analysis chapter incorporates all the concepts behind developing a business case, the community wanted to see a more explicit reference to and treatment of business case development in the box. So mm-hmm. we added business case development as a technique in addition to beefing up some of the content on those topics in strategy analysis. We also added a financial analysis technique to cover off things like ROI calculations, uh, similar sorts of materials. You know, we added something on mind mapping, something on data mining. So there were quite a few new additions that came out of the review process. Great. We, al- we also went for the entire text and added graphics and images to help clarify the, the meaning of the text. Great. So there was uh, there were some net new techniques that were added as, as part of the review. That's correct. I think okay. there were about five or six. Okay. That's great. So right. on a lighter note, Kevin, was there any comment that stood out and you thought was funny? <laughs> uh, <laughs> there were a few at the time, some of which were... Interesting. There was one person who asked why we didn't include the entire text of version three in the review, which we never we never quite figured out what they were looking at. <laughs> <laughs> okay, interesting. You know, there were a lot of positive comments, which were really nice to see. Uh, you know, people said that they finally saw some stuff that they were looking to see addressed. We certainly got a lot of positive feedback from agile practitioners, enterprise level practitioners who found version three easier to apply. You know, of course, one of the things that you see a lot of these kind of comments is people with, you know, their personal favorite technique or mm. method of approach that may not be as widespread as they think it is. Yeah, it's you know, again, it's a tunnel vision and a bias, right? So, well, and the thing is that in the BA box, we're not trying to say that these are the only techniques that a business analyst should use. There's a lot of great stuff, a lot of great ideas that we just don't have the space to address, but we use some filters to determine which ones go in. And we do run across cases where somebody happens to have a personal favorite. And sometimes, yeah. and there's a few cases where you look at it and you say, you know what, that's a really cool idea, but there's no way that is a generally accepted concept. Yeah, exactly. You know, you just have to understand the rationale behind, you know, why those techniques made it in first place in the BA buck. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe that will change in the next edition. But in this version, we tried to filter out which techniques we included based on, you know, a few key criteria. And we'll probably have a chance to talk about that later when we get into the architecture. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think there will be like a perfect box that will make everybody happy at any given point, right? So that's why if anybody, you know, complains or says, I don't think it should have been, you know, written it this way. I always tell them, like, did you miss the public review? <laughs> then you have to, you know, wait for version four now because version three is, uh, you know, getting in shape. So in line with what you said about, you know, chapter one and two receiving heavy comments, maybe this is a good segue to talk about the BA core competency model. Like, how did it originate and, and what drove the core team to you know, make it part of version three? Well, so one of the big problems that we face as a community and, you know, we hope that version three will take a step in the right direction towards that is that BAs from different kinds of backgrounds often have learned very different and very distinct jargon and terminology and ways of talking about the same thing. So for instance, I can give you some concrete examples. The word requirements from an ITBA is, you know, absolutely critical. But to a business process person, 
it's kind of off-putting because they think of requirements as something that software has. Even though if you talk about the definition of a requirement, right, any definition, whether it be what we have in version 3 or like the usable representation of a need or, you know, more specific definitions such as the one we had in version 2, a business process can be a form of requirement, right? But yet that's not how they would use the term. Mm-hmm. Some practitioners are very comfortable with the idea of design, whereas IT people are not so much. And as you go through all of those different domains and all of those different terms, what happened was that we said, okay, we need to come together with some kind of language that we can use throughout the body of knowledge if we're going to try and cross all of these different BA disciplines. Right, And so we have to find a common set of vocabulary and a common set of concepts and understand the relationships between them. And so the team started work on that as they started to try to figure through the fundamental underpinnings of the Bach. And it went through a number of iterations. I think the first version was a very, very complicated diagram that had four of the six core concepts on it. And, you know, so it had talked about needs and, you know, requirements are an expression of needs. That's what we mean by usable representation. Mm -hmm. Talked about solutions and we talk about designs as a way of describing a solution, right? Obviously, both needs and solutions relate to stakeholders because, yeah, a stakeholder has to have the need and, you know, that gets delivered through a change. And then over time, it became clear that, for instance, value needed to be added because we had to have some way of determining which of all these things worked. And then finally, the last one was context, and it just got added up in over time. And, you know, you couldn't really make any of these things primary, and that's where the turtle diagram came into existence. And I believe it was Jen Batten who first coined the phrase, but it seems to have stuck. Oh, yeah, and I've heard that uh, a couple times. <laughs> it's quite, uh, I mean, it, it's... It seems that way it's it's an interesting uh, terminology so maybe it's uh you know it's slow and steady wins the race right yeah but what we found is that as we worked with it it was actually kind of a useful mental model because you'd find that whenever you're trying to diagnose a problem you might start at one place or another but you always had to understand all six of the core concepts before you could really wrap your head around what was going on in a particular situation Absolutely. And and I think based on my understanding, and like you said, it, it developed over time. And I think this was more of an independent effort to build the BA core competency model. And then I think at some point it got incorporated in version three. Yeah, well, what, what happened was that the team did build it over a while. And then we found it use. And as we worked through it, we found it useful for expressing a lot of those core concepts. And, you know, one of the things that does get asked is how that relates to, you know, the task model and the KA structure. Mm-hmm. And they are two very different things. And this gets into something we run a lo- into a lot as business analysts, right? Mm-hmm. If you're dealing with a real business problem, right, you always have to look at it from multiple perspectives or, you know, views is the technical term. Right. You know, you have one way of looking at a business system is through the use cases. Another way is through the processes. Another way is through the data or concepts. And so the core concept model is one view. The task uh, techniques and perspectives are another view. And Mm -hmm. so the core concepts talk about are the fundamental underpinnings of what we need to think about as business analysts, whereas the task model is what we have to do. 
Yeah. I would say one is more conceptual, the other is more like, you know, what to do kind of angle. Yeah. And, you know, there could be other models out there that will be developed in future that would take another perspective on business analysis. Right now, I couldn't tell you what they might be, mm-hmm. because, but I acknowledge the possibility. Okay, great. So, so Kevin, if you had like, let's say, 90 seconds to explain BA core concept model with an example to a complete stranger, what would you say to him or her? 90 seconds isn't a lot of time. <laughs> well, that's why the, the question. <laughs> yeah. So what I would have to say is, just thinking about, it, let's say you're trying to come to look at a situation where, you know, somebody's come to you and they have a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. So that person who's come to you is a stakeholder. There may be others, mm-hmm. but that person has a problem. They're affected by the problem. Anyone else who's affected by a problem is also a stakeholder. Mm-hmm. Each of these stakeholders, they're, by saying that they have a problem, what they're telling you is that there's something they need. There's something that they don't have that they're hoping you can help them get. Mm-hmm. Right. And that thing that they get. That thing that, you know, once they have it, it fills the need, that's a solution, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, but in order to get from having the need to having the solution, something's going to have to change. Somebody is going to have to go out and do something to build or buy that solution, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so, so how do you know if that's worth it? Well, you have to understand what the value of the solution is to them. And so that means the value of anything is, of course, what benefits does it bring to them and what costs do they have to pay in order to get it? Absolutely. Right? So that's the value. That's the value. Mm-hmm. But all of those things exist in a particular context, a particular environment. So if I take your person and I pick them up and I drop them in the middle of Sahara Desert, they probably don't need whatever it was they thought they needed before. They might want water more than that, right? Oh, yeah. So changing the context they're put in changes their needs, changes the value that they receive from a solution. And so all of those things are all relative to the context in which you exist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that sort of puts it nicely together. Even though you took uh, about 32 seconds more, it, 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 oh, I'll well. take it. <laughs> I haven't practiced it enough. Maybe I'll get it down to I know, that. I know you did extremely well. So <laughs> moving on, so like maybe over the next couple minutes or so, Kevin, if you can give a very quick brief overview of the V3 architecture, like what does it comprise of? Sure. So we talked about the core concept model. So let's talk about the other piece of it, which is knowledge areas, tasks, techniques, and perspectives. So tasks are the fundamental things that we do as business analysts, right? So in order to perform business analysis, there are certain things that you need to be able to do. I need to be able to elicit information from stakeholders, right? I can't do business analysis without doing that activity, without performing that task, yeah. right? I can't do business analysis unless I can take that information and compile it and express it as a set of requirements or a set of designs that describe a solution. And so each of these tasks is kind of a piece of the work we do. Mm-hmm. Now, all of those tasks, all those 30-odd activities that a business analyst can be expected to be able to perform in order to do business analysis are grouped together in knowledge areas. And the knowledge areas are essentially a collection of thematic-related tasks. Yeah. 
So, for instance, in version 3, we have an elicitation and collaboration knowledge area that pulls together all the tasks around interacting with and communicating with and engaging with stakeholders and helping them collaborate together to figure out what it is that they value and what they need and what kind of solutions are acceptable, right? Mm -hmm. The strategy analysis knowledge area gathers together all the tasks that, you know, are linked by the work of looking at the problem and the solution as a whole, the entirety of what you're trying to do instead of the individual pieces of it, right? And so forth and so on. So they really help to group together tasks in a way that make them more understandable and coherent. Yeah, the sort of, you know, group, uh, like you said, you know, they have a very similar theme and and they are grouped together in knowledge areas. And now we have... uh, sort of the core concepts and uh, perspectives along with knowledge areas and tasks. So how can a BA sort of understand the relationship between the three, if you will, to in order to like uh, get a sense of how this is structured? Yeah, sure. So, you know, we talked about the knowledge areas and one of the rules of thumb we used in building the knowledge area and task groupings is that we aimed for five plus or minus two. So, you know, with a minimum of four. So there, every knowledge area has a, will have at least four tasks. We'll generally have no more than seven. There are mm-hmm. six knowledge areas, so that enables people to remember them more effectively, right? Which is helpful in actually applying them. Mm-hmm. Techniques are different ways or different methods of accomplishing one or more tasks. Okay, and right? that's why, you know, you Technically, it's not part of the architecture, but it it still is because it's part of tasks. Yeah, it's kind of how you do a task, yeah. right? So, yeah. you know, we have a task that says specify and model requirements. Well, there are a lot of different ways you can model requirements. You can do a class diagram. You can do a data diagram. You can do a process model. You can do a use case model. So these are all techniques. These are all things that are incorporated into a set of techniques. And every business analyst will know a certain number of techniques depending on what kind of work BA work they do. Yeah. So the perspectives describe a common set of methodologies for doing business analysis. So for instance, we have an agile perspective and the agile perspective talks about what these tasks look like Mm -hmm. when you're doing agile business analysis what is different about them, how they're performed, what order they could often be performed in, and which techniques are most likely to be applicable in that context. So there's sort of the the structure that elaborated in the in the book that explains each perspective and how it bundles itself in different environments, like in terms of the the techniques and tasks that would be part of it. Right. And so the idea is to bring it a little closer to, I guess, the ground and to the practical day-to-day work that a BA does in a particular discipline. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the task structure is generic. It's supposed to be universal. It's supposed to be applicable all the time. But the perspectives give you guidance as to how you actually do business analysis for a particular purpose. Yeah, for a particular purpose, for a Using a particular theme, if you will. Right. And so one of the things that, you know, I know confused a few people is that the perspectives that we have in version three, you know, the 
IT agile, business architecture, business process management, and business intelligence perspectives are not intended to be comprehensive. They're not a a unified theory of all the ways one could do business analysis. I have on my iPad a mind map where I have about 30 or 40 possible perspectives. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them are subsets of higher level ones, but the point is, there's an infinite number of different ways you could put this stuff together. Absolutely. You just want to highlight some of the more important ones and demonstrate, you know, the adaptability of the model. Absolutely. So, like, what sort of went into, like, uh, distilling the perspectives into the... There are six total perspectives, right? Five. There five, are, sorry. So, there are five total perspectives. So, what thought process or approach did the team take to distill them to five? Well... That was really more, how can I put this? It was not necessarily a, you know, these are the only five, I said, right? What mm-hmm. we asked ourselves was, okay, what are five that are basically fairly important that we see a lot of discussion in the community and that we want to attach the bot to? And so we went through, okay, well, Agile was clearly high importance, yeah. right? You wanted to show traditional projects, that's critical, we had business done, architecture. Yeah, business architecture. You know, we debated that one for a while. The original version, I think, was going to be enterprise business analysis. And then we realized that was a huge scope. And we there was no way you could fit that into a single perspective. So we narrowed it down, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And we chose business architecture as the most logical and most straightforward enterprise perspective that we see BAs engaging with. You know, and business intelligence, of course, with the rise of big data, we identified as something that we need, it would be useful to give guidance around. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's a very similar sort of lens that uh, was used for techniques as well. You know, there are much more techniques for sure, but, you know, what's sort of, you know, common and, and what did we want to represent and and make it part of the framework, right? Precisely. And the idea is that, you know, in future, even before we get to something like version four, we IIBA may well produce additional perspectives, as standalone documents that would, you know, perhaps publish a perspective overview with a set of additional techniques that are relevant to that. Mm-hmm. And, as and you know, that's a way to extend beyond what we have in the BA box today. And in fact, there were a couple of additional perspectives that were proposed to us during the public review process. Mm-hmm. Which ones? Uh, one, one example is value management. Okay. And so that's the kind of thing that we will have to look at in the months to come. Okay, yeah, probably, you know, you still have more perspectives and there'll be more versions of the VA box for sure. So perhaps in future. Yeah, it could well be, or we may find a different way of approaching this. But what, but it does, but what we really wanted for this version was to make it very explicitly clear that we have looked at models well beyond, you know, the traditional IT SDLC and how you would do that. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, Kevin. So one of the things that I did to prep for this interview was, you know, I reached out to the community to see if they had any specific questions for you related to the BA Bach version 3. And I got a ton of questions. So uh, what I'm going to do is let's keep this as more like a rapid fire Q&A kind of thing because we are, uh, you know, short of time. So I'm going to ask you a question real quick and maybe you can give me like a Cliff Notes version answer. Or if you want to elaborate, if you think that there's a need to elaborate, 
you know, you can go ahead and do that as well. So sure. the, the first one is from Mike Goodland from London, UK, and also from Elizabeth in Toronto, sort of a common theme. What does Agile perspective mean for Agile extension of the BA Bach? And will Agile be integrated throughout this version? Sure. So as we talked about earlier, yeah, we actually did look at Agile life cycles throughout, and there's a fair bit of Agile content found throughout the structure of version 2. As for the Agile extension, it's a very good book, involved a lot of thought leaders in the Agile space, and we simply did not have the space to include everything that's in the Agile extension in version 3 of the box. So what we will be looking at doing is likely putting out an updated version of the Agile extension that, you know, takes out some of the material like the mapping to version 2 that is obviously no longer relevant or a few of the techniques that migrated from the Agile extension into the main box. There were a few of those. And then we may we would look at updating it to incorporate new developments in the Agile space and, you know, some of the feedback that we received in the review process of the Agile extension that was, you know, too extensive to incorporate in the final text that we have today. Oh, yeah, for sure. So there's a related question related to there's – there's another question related to business architecture. I'll come to that in a bit. So the next one is from Doug Goldberg. Version 2 of the BA Bach has served quite a number of BAs in work and getting certified, you know, like I was certified as part of version 2. And it has also served as a foundation for new practitioners to learn the content as their career matures. Where does IIBA see the new version's greatest strengths and the value in continuing to serve this important? audience? Well, that is one of the things that we were really trying to make sure that we could continue to do because what we're seeing, and I think this actually gets into the next session that we'll be talking through, is where business analysis itself is going. And the trend I've been seeing for the last several years is that we're moving away from customized software development in traditional sense. That's not to mean it's gone. Certainly Mm -hmm. a lot of people still do that. Mm -hmm. But there is less and less of it. And it's being replaced by commercial off-the-shelf software, agile software development processes. And actually, one thing that I found very interesting was a recent review we did of BA job postings Mm. showed that about 75% of them were now requiring experience in modeling and improving business processes. Mm. And so the fact that we've incorporated a lot of concepts from these things into the business analysis body knowledge and enabled it to address these different life cycles for enterprise change, I think will really help practitioners, you know, in their careers in the future. Great. And... uh the next question is probably the million-dollar question, and I've got it from so many practitioners. Sachin from Charlotte, Katie Metcal from uh, Toronto. We, mo- we both know Katie. Asha, Shalini, and many, many other BAs. So what does it mean for someone prepping for the exam using version 2, and when will version 3 exam be available? Sure. And, you know, I don't have all the answers that everybody would like to have as of today, but I'll give you a rundown of where we stand. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we are looking at is a revamp of our certification program. And it's not as simple as just saying, okay, you know what, it used to be based on version two, now you study version three, and it looks the same. Because what we really want to do is match it up with 
the demands of organizations, and we're looking at a multi-level structure. So, you know, we will be moving things like CBAP, CCBA into a stream where you will typically move through each level, although, of course, there will still be a way for an experienced practitioner to come in at CBAP level. Mm-hmm. So for practitioners who may be looking at certification today, the easy answer is keep doing what you're doing. There won't be a need to go out and reapply for certification or retake the exam under the updated certification program. So anyone who completes their exam using version 2 will be just fine. And yes, there will be new things to learn, but there are always new things to learn. And that's why we have a requirement for ongoing you know, CDU acquisition and recertification, right, is to address that continuing learning activity. The date for the new exam is still being determined we are, because we're still doing our, our market research. It will probably be a longer than it was last time around because we are doing a greater in-depth evaluation of where our certification program should go to address the needs of, of employers and of business analysts. Great. So are we looking at 2016? I wouldn't be prepared to say that yet, but it will be late this year or early next is where I would say we will most likely land at this point in time. Okay, great. So will this version expand its coverage of business architecture within the enterprise analysis knowledge area from Liz in Toronto? Well, yes and no, I guess is the best, is a really short answer. <laughs> uh, and the reason for that is that business architecture I mean, aside from the fact that we don't have an enterprise analysis knowledge area anymore, we renamed it strategy analysis. And one of the reasons was that people got confused by the name of enterprise analysis, which really pertain the knowledge area really pertains to project initiation, to justifying a change, right? Mm-hmm. To developing a business case. And so we generalized that to a broader sense. But what we did in the business architecture perspective is that we actually linked business architecture across the tasks throughout the BA box. So, you know, a business architect will do strategy to figure out, you know, how the enterprise will transition over time. But they'll also do, you know, detailed models of capabilities and processes and other kinds of things to support that change. You know, they should be doing assessments of how the enterprise is performing, as well as the traditional, you know, listing information with stakeholders, managing all of this information, right? Managing yeah. their work plans, all the stuff you find at the business analysis body of knowledge. And so that's where our business architecture material is found. And, you know, we did engage, Mike Rosen was actually the lead on that knowledge area. He's well known as a business architect and deeply involved in some of the other efforts to expand the scope and knowledge around business architecture, such as the work being done by the Business Architecture Guild. So, you know, while we've tried to align ourselves with groups like that and with the work being done by other associations in version three and part of IIB strategies to build on those kind of relationships moving forward. Great. So last question, uh, hopefully, because I'm looking at the other questions and we've sort of uh, addressed uh, a lot of the other questions from our, you know, from our earlier conversation. So the next one is from Peter Gerspach from Austria. His question is, IIBA proposes a more strategic role for a business analyst as covered, uh, you know, part of perspectives. What is being done uh, to bring this new dimension into the market? 
as there may be challenges associated with uh, perceiving the role of a BA from an IT-centric to a more strategic one? To some extent, that's going to depend on the organization, but we do have a very active, ongoing effort to expand our relationship with organizations. And one of the major elements of our strategic plan is to help build an enterprise business analysis core competency model or capability model, which will help organizations involve their BAs in more strategic activities. What I found when I was working as an ITBA was that I always, at some point during every effort, had to kind of take a step back and take a strategic view of what it was we were trying to accomplish. Because there was always some point in, and I was doing traditional IT project work, Mm -hmm. but there was always some point where something went wrong and we couldn't come up with a solution without asking ourselves, are we following the right scope? Are we doing the right thing? And so I think that that strategic perspective is something that every top-notch business analyst needs to have in order to be really successful in the role. Absolutely. And and that's really the true next step for the BA. Yeah. All right. So thank you so much, Kevin, for all the updates on version 3. It was great to have you on the show. And if there's any closing thought or comment that you want to relay out to the community to alleviate their anxiety, their excitement, what would your message be? Well, what I would say is that, you know, for me, this has been a tremendous experience. I have learned a huge amount doing work on the business now, spotty knowledge, and I'm really excited for the community to get their hands and have the opportunity to see the amazing work that this team has done. Over the last few years, we have looked at everything, you know, every piece of it and asked ourselves, how can we make this better? How can we improve it? And I think the results of that work will really have an impact on the community far beyond, you know, what we've seen to date because business analysis is really at, in my view, a turning point. We're moving from, you know, that internal project focused kind of way of looking at what business analysis is to recognizing that there's a strategic capability and competency that organizations can have that will make them more effective at changing, more effective at reaching their outcomes. And to get there, we really need to bring together all the insights and knowledge from across the BA community, from the business architecture community, you know, the business process people, the business rules people, you know, integrating business knowledge, integrating, you know, and yes, software requirements, agile development, all these things bring critical pieces of the puzzle, critical insights, and I think they are far stronger together they could be separately, and I believe that version three is a big step forward to achieving that goal. Great. Thanks, Kevin, for those closing thoughts, and it was great to have you on the show. Thank you, Yama. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode with Kevin and took away some valuable insights on how business analysis is evolving, has evolved, and more importantly, how the latest version of the Babok has incorporated the growing trends in the industry. As we move into the new year, we are working on refreshing our version 2 products to reflect the updates from version 3. And I invite you to visit thebacoach.com to learn more and subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date with what's going on. And remember, two more episodes uh, before the Big 50 and we close off season 2 for this year. 
and I can hardly wait for 2016, which is going to be an exciting year for business analysis, an exciting year for the BA coach, and, ex- and, an, and an incredible year for the BA community. That's it for this episode, folks. Have a good one. Bye for now.